You know, I count it a privilege to be able to come and share the word with you this morning. Also, and I know I've said this many times, I count it a privilege to be here on a Sunday morning with the people of God. And I realise over the last year or so how often I took that for granted. And I also took the people of God that had placed around me for granted. So this morning I really appreciate you and I appreciate being here. But recently I spent time with God in the morning with my devotions and recently he's been challenging me on a few things. One of them was his holiness. And he challenged me on had I possibly become too familiar with him? He's my Abba Father. But in knowing that he's my Abba Father and being able to come to him as my Abba Father, have I possibly pulled God down to be like my earthly father? Because I had a good father. But God's my heavenly father, but he's also almighty God. He's a holy and a righteous God. And sometimes I think possibly I'll lose a bit of the reverence that I should have for God as almighty God. But the other thing he's been challenging me on, and as I thought back about it, it's something that I've been challenged all through my Christian life, and I probably will be challenged by this till I reach heaven, and that is faith. Not faith in my salvation, we've just sang. You know, I never doubt that God sent his son Jesus into the world as a baby to live a sinless life, to die on the cross for my sins, and that today I live forgiven and I have an assurance that my eternity is in heaven with him. I have an assurance of eternal life. Not that kind of faith was a doubting, but it was a faith that God is able to do what he says he can do. The faith, the kind of faith that speaks to mountains and they move. The kind of faith that speaks to the sea and it splits apart so we can walk through it. The kind of faith that can take spit and dirt, rub them in somebody's eyes and they can see. That's the kind of faith that God has been challenging me about. And we're going to see something of that faith in the story that we're going to read today from the Bible. So this morning I'm reading from Luke chapter 7 verses 1 to 10, and it's in the New Living Translation. And that'll come up on the screen. When Jesus had finished saying all this to the people, he returned to Capernaum. At that time, the highly valued slave of a Roman officer was sick and near death. When the officer heard about Jesus, he sent some respected Jewish elders to ask him to come and heal his slave. So they earnestly begged Jesus to help the man. If anyone deserves your help, he does, they said, for he loves the Jewish people and even built a synagogue for us. So Jesus went with them. But just before they arrived at the house, the officer sent some friends to say, Lord, don't trouble yourself by coming to my home, for I'm not worthy of such an honour. I'm not even worthy to come and meet you. Just say the word from where you are and my servant will be healed. I know this because I'm under the authority of my superior officers and I have authority over my soldiers. I only need to say go and they go or come and they come. And if I say to my slaves, do this, they do it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed. Turning to the crowd that was following him, he said, I tell you, I haven't seen faith like this in all Israel. And when the officer's friends returned to his house, they found the slave completely healed. And I'm just going to read verse 9 in the Passion Translation for you this morning. It says, 
that Jesus marveled at this. He turned round and said to the crowd who had followed him, listen everyone, and actually at that point saw like if you've ever been in a crowd and are doing something and somebody wants your attention and they go, listen up, listen up. And I could just see Jesus saying to this crowd, listen everyone, never have I found among the people of God a man like this who believes so strongly in me. And as I read the story, I was challenged again about my faith. Faith, not in my salvation, but faith that makes a way for miracles to happen. And this morning, I don't claim to be an expert on faith. I'm only sharing with you what God's shown me. But I want to share with you some things I've learned about this kind of faith. The kind of faith that speaks to a mountain and it's moved. The kind of faith that makes way for miracles. You see, this kind of faith requires humility. It requires us to acknowledge our limitations and to recognise what we can and what we cannot achieve on our own. In the passage that we just read, the Roman centurion recognised his limitations and he owned them. He wasn't afraid to own his limitations. Sometimes we are afraid to own our limitations because we think we should be able to do this, we should be able to do that. And sometimes in doing that, we think we're God and we lose sight of the fact that there's some things we can achieve on our own, but some things it's only God that can achieve. But this Roman centurion recognised his limitations. He wasn't a believer, but yet he saw something in the Jewish people's faith. And it says at that time, the Jewish people saw the Romans as their oppressors. They were powerful. This man was a leader in probably the most powerful army on earth at that time. But he saw his limitations. And he saw something in the Jewish believers, something that went beyond what he could see in his natural like, authority that he had from Rome. And sometimes those we would see as enemies and oppressors can be the people God wants us to be a witness to for his glory. You know, this man, it says he loved the Jewish people and he'd helped them to build a synagogue so that they could worship God. Sometimes people that we think are our oppressors, whether it's in work, whether it's in our neighbourhood, these are people that God wants us to be a witness to for him. You know, as I was thinking about this story, I'm here today because Claire Thompson was a witness to me. She was a witness of what God, of what faith in God could do way back in the 80s. She was a witness to the faith at that time. She was living in a big old castle, which is now a luxurious five-star hotel. But when she lived there, there was dampness in the walls. There was burst pipes all the time. There was leaks in the roof. And she used to come to work alongside me, and she was always the same clear. And she might not remember this, but she came to work one day, and she'd been up all night um, with burst pipes and leaks. So everybody in the house had to run about with pots and basins and do what they could do. But when she came to work the next day, she wasn't the clear that had been up all night and was quite frazzled. She was the same clear as she'd been the day before, the week before, the month before. And that's the kind of witnesses God wants us to have. Even though this Saturian was a powerful man, he had resources at his hand. I mean, they were ruling the people of Israel. 
and they were holding them in oppression. He had resources, he had finances, he probably had access to the best doctors, but he came to a point where we read that his slave was so sick that he was close to death, and the centurion knew that he couldn't do anything more to help him. And this morning, I wonder if you've been there. I wonder if you've had a family member, a friend who's been in trouble or has had really ill health and they were dying. And I wonder what did you do at those times? The centurion went to the Jewish leaders and asked some of them to come to Jesus for him. He said, will you go and ask Jesus to come and heal my servant? And I wonder this morning, what have we done in those situations? Have we recognised our limitations? Or have we just tried to be God and tried to help out the problems, to solve the problems ourselves? People don't need us playing at being God. They need God. And I was reminded of as a young child waking up on Christmas morning and one of my presents was a nurse's outfit. You younger people won't remember them, but they were like wee blue striped dresses and you had a wee apron and you had a wee paper hat and you had a wee medical bag. And you're bent about Christmas morning giving your gran a job and listening to your dad's heart and doing all these things. And you were playing at being a nurse. And I wonder this morning if sometimes we run about trying to play God when really there is only one God. And he is the God who performs miracles. Today, let me encourage you to acknowledge your limitations. But in acknowledging your limitations, don't put those limits in God. Because we have the resources of a limitless God, a God who can heal the sick, a God who saves us from our sins, a God who can move mountains. So don't put your limitations that are your limitations, acknowledge your limitations, but don't limit the power that's available to you in God. Ephesians 3.20 says, Now all glory to God, who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we ask or think. You know, miracles happen when we come to the end of our own strength, when we come to the end of our own resources, and when we come to the end of our own abilities and trust fully in the one, the only one who can perform miracles. It's easy to trust God when you're facing a death sentence. It's easy to trust God when you've maxed out all your credit cards, when you've used all the loans that you can possibly, you've borrowed for all the friends and family you possibly can. It's easy then to trust God when there's nowhere else to turn to. But God wants us this morning to live every day trusting him for everything. We say the Lord's prayer, Lord, give us our daily bread. God wants us to trust him in the smallest of things. Imagine this centurion he heard about Jesus. He'd never met Jesus. He'd never witnessed the miracles that Jesus was performing, but he'd heard about them. And I think this morning I was thinking about, he was acting in hearsay. It was gossip. He'd heard the local gossip that this man Jesus could heal the sick. This man Jesus could perform miracles. And it made me start to think, imagine what the world would be like if we were gossips. Not gossips about each other, but we were gossips about Jesus and about the gospel. Do you know, if you've been doing the Soul Winners course in the first week, Andy Elm says that there's 7.7 billion people living on planet Earth and 2.2 billion of them profess to be Christians. 
Imagine if 2.2 billion people were talking about Jesus. Imagine if your loved one that doesn't know Jesus yet or your friend, imagine they went to work and the person sitting across from them was talking about Jesus. Imagine if they nipped out to the bank at lunchtime and they overheard the conversation of the person behind them in the queue. They were talking about Jesus and what he'd done for them. Imagine getting the train home for work and across for you, somebody sitting talking about what Jesus has done for them. Do you know, we need to gossip about Jesus. We need to tell people about this great God and not keep it hidden. So this morning, and I want to say this as an aside, to parents, to grandparents, tell your children Bible stories. Alongside the stories about Peppa Pig and Superman and Spider-Man, tell them about Jesus. Tell them about the miracles that Jesus did. Tell them about David. Tell them about the superheroes of the Bible. Tell your kids those stories so that when they're older, those stories, they'll remember them and they'll remember the God that was behind them. This morning, do we believe what we've heard about Jesus? Do we really believe that he came and died and saved and saved us? Do we believe that he raised Lazarus for the dead? Do we believe that he restored sight to a blind man? Do we believe it? But the second thing that I realised about this faith is it requires a response. It's great to hear the stories of Jesus. And please hear me correctly. I'm not saying that you should believe everything you hear and react to it, because fake news is real. I read, we, we only buy a newspaper twice a week, but on my phone, I go to BBC News and it gives you every newspaper you get a wee bit you can click into. But really, at the moment, I, I don't know what fake news is and what's real news, to be honest. So I don't read it and believe everything that I read in the newspaper. But we need to read our Bibles. You know, sometimes even the Word of God can be twisted. And that's why it's so important. People can take the Word of God and they can make it mean anything that they want it to mean. So we really need to read our Bibles. We need to read it and we need to ask the Holy Spirit to show us the truth in what we're reading. We need to be planted in a church. I, I believe we need to be planted in a church, not just this church, but whatever church you go to, you need to be planted. But we need to allow the Holy Spirit to reveal the truth. That's his job. When Jesus was preparing to leave the disciples and go back to heaven, he said that he was going away, but he would ask the Father and he would give him an advocate who will never leave you. He's the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. So it's not only important to read our Bible, but it's also important to ask the Holy Spirit to reveal the truth in what we're reading. That's his job. He guides us into all truth. Don't read your Bible to justify living the life that you want to live. Read it to learn how God wants you to live because God wants you to have the best life. Don't take God's grace for granted. God's grace is not a license to do what you want and to live it any old way. God's grace is to help us live a godly life and to live the best life. The Roman centurion in Luke chapter 7 didn't have any of these. didn't know Jesus. He didn't have a Bible. He didn't have the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit at that point hadn't come. But his response to what he'd heard about Jesus was one of faith and love. His love for others. He was moved by a love and a compassion for his servant that we did read was a valuable slave. 
God wants us and he's looking for us to respond in faith and love for others. The centurion knew that he couldn't help his servant. His servant's only hope was a miracle and his only hope was Jesus. And over the past years, we've had a lot of prayer requests and there've been requests from people who have needed a miracle. And I wonder this morning, how did we respond to those requests? Did we respond with a love for the person who needed a miracle, a healing, or some other kind of miraculous move of God? Did we believe what God says in Jeremiah chapter 32, 27, that says, I am the Lord, the God of all the peoples of the earth, of the world. Is anything too hard for me? When we're praying, do we pray as if we believe that there's nothing that's too hard for God? Now, I'm no... I'm, I acknowledge this morning that there's prayers that I've prayed and they haven't always been answered the way I've believed for them to be answered, but God answers them. But this morning when we're praying for somebody, do we actually pray for them, believing that there's nothing too hard for God to do, that all things are possible to him? Or maybe we've just become conditioned to the society that we live in. The society we live in would tell us that not, sometimes nothing's, nothing's possible. The society we live in will accept that sometimes people die, sometimes things don't get better. Or do we actually believe that all things are possible to God, that God can change everything? One moment and God can change everything. We're meant to be faith-filled, world-changing Christ-believers. We're not meant to fit into society. We're not meant to be conditioned by society. We're meant not only to make a difference, but to be the difference. We're meant to be carriers of hope, a carriers of the life and love of God, carriers of a faith that speaks to mountains and makes a way for the miraculous to happen. In Mark 9.23, you can read the story about the man whose son was tormented and the father was at his wit's end, didn't know what to do, and he came to Jesus. And when Jesus, he says to Jesus, Lord, I believe, help thou my unbelief. There'll be times when we've got unbelief, but God's looking for us to look to him, at those times to press into him, to ask him, help my unbelief. But do you know in acknowledging our unbelief, we're acknowledging our limitations. And God is looking for us to acknowledge that he is our only hope. He is. The people we are praying for, we can't heal them. The people we're praying for, we can't loose them from their addictions. It's only the power of God. And we need God's power. But we need to accept our limitations and look to God. We need to use the measure of faith that God has placed within us. And sometimes... That means we have to ask other people to add their, their measure of faith too. The Bible says that God has placed a measure of faith in each one of us. And we need to use that faith. And sometimes when people are ill, we hear of people that need a miracle, but they don't come and ask for prayer. You know, we're a family of God here. We're people of God and we all have a measure of faith. And we need to start surrounding ourselves with people, not being embarrassed because I need prayer come together 
and unitedly put our faith together and believe God for miracles. We need to change our prayers from if you can, Lord, to prayers that say, I know you can, because Jesus hasn't changed. The Jesus we read about in the Bible, he's the same yesterday, today and forever. He's never changed. God never changes. And we need to put our trust in him. I think this morning, Mark Hind and Janice Carey and, and others who the medical staff had given up hope on, and we've seen what prayer does, and we've seen how God is making ways there where it seemed that there wasn't any way. This morning, do you believe what you hear about Jesus? Will you humble yourselves this morning and acknowledge your limitations while also acknowledging that God has none? He's got no limitations. When we read, he is the Lord who heals, the Lord who saves, what is our response? The centurion believed it, what he heard, and it caused him to act and go send somebody to Jesus. When you hear of somebody who needs a miracle, and I'll be honest, when it's somebody I know and somebody I'm close to, I probably hammer on heaven's door. Sometimes when it's somebody I don't know, it's probably a tap. But this morning, what's your response when you hear of somebody needing a miracle? Do you come to Jesus? Are you like the centurion who'd only heard about him, didn't know him, but he came? Or do you hang about trying to fix it yourself before you actually come? Because there's nothing too hard for God to do. Do we believe this morning that anything's possible? This morning, the third thing that I want to share is, if we want to see faith that makes a way for miracles to happen, it requires submission. We need to submit to God's authority. It requires us to submit to God's authority and also to submit to the authorities that God has placed over us. And that's areas of all our life where God's placed authorities. I remember as a young child, I learned probably from an early age what authority was and that there was people that had authority over me. I had my parents, I had my grandparents, I had teachers. I didn't always submit readily. Sometimes there was bribery. Like if you don't eat your dinner, you won't get out to play. Maybe it was a tantrum. And then when I realised I wasn't going to get what I was having a tantrum for, it wore over. But God is looking for us to submit to his authority. I remember we've got two children and when they were younger, if Jim and I were going out, um, Gran came to babysit for us. And I remember Lindsay was about seven and she says, when you and dad go out tonight, who's in charge? And I said, your Gran's in charge. Okay, Gran's in charge. Well, who's in charge after Gran? At that early age, she realized that submission was required to authority, but she also knew the power that was in authority. And we need to submit ourselves this morning to God and to God's authority. Our authority comes from a place of submission. The Roman centurion recognized that. He was part of the Roman army and he submitted to the rule of Rome. But he also saw in what he'd heard about Jesus, that Jesus was submitting to a higher authority. And Jesus told us he was submitting to his father. We need to submit to God's authority. Because you know what? 
See, when we submit to God's authority, he gives us his authority. Do you know, Jesus was submitting to high, high authority and he did say that everything he'd done was because of his submission to the Father. And we need to learn to submit to authority. When I think about Jesus and how he submitted to the authority, he submitted to the Father, but he submitted when the man came with the coins and was asking him, who do I pay my taxes to? And Jesus said he had to submit to the Roman rule because the money had, had hurt the, the ruler of Rome was facing it. We need to respect and submit to the authorities that God's placed over us. And you wonder why do we struggle with authority when Jesus didn't struggle with authority? And as I was thinking about that, I thought about um, how in the society we live in, Authority is a dirty word. Submission is a dirty word. Nobody wants to submit. And the reason for that is because so many people that had authority had abused it and they hurt people. But God is different. And God wants us to submit to his authority this morning. And if we truly want our faith to be more than words, we've learned to repeat and quote, we need to learn to submit to God. We need to submit to his authority. In the Christian life, I believe submission is a requirement for miracles. You see, if I want to see the miraculous become an everyday occurrence, and I do, I've seen miracles in my life. I remember going to a conference a long, long time ago in Minehead, and I saw somebody getting out in a wheelchair. I've seen other people that said they're hearing restored. I have seen miracles in my life, but I don't want miracles just to be a now and again occurrence. I want to see miracles happen every day. I want to be living in that miraculous. In John 14, 12, Jesus said, I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me will do the same works I've done and even greater works because I'm going to be with the Father. This morning, can I ask you, do you want to do greater works than Jesus? Then let's discern this morning that we'll humble ourselves before God and acknowledge our limitations while still believing that in him we have access to his limitless power. Let us respond by using the faith that he's placed within us to believe for the impossible every day and let us submit to this authority that's God's authority because if we do, we will see that faith, our faith increases. Do you know, it's Christmas time and, and I've got a wee bank account with my Christmas budget in it. And every time I buy a present, that balance goes down. And there's no more money going into that account. So eventually, come the 24th of December, there'll be very little in that account. And if we don't use our faith, nothing gets added to it. Because unlike my bank account, when we use our faith, God adds more. When we use our faith, Every time we step out in faith, God increases our faith. And so we need to learn to submit to God and use the faith that he's given us. So this morning, I'm still in the challenge. But I do want to see miracles happen. I do want to see the community I live in. I want to see my family. I want to see my friends. I want to see their lives changed because, because I love them, basically. But we need God and if we want to see the kind of faith that makes room for miracles, then we do have to 
humble ourselves, respond. The Bible says that faith without works is dead. We need to respond and we need to submit. God bless you. Thank you.